the Tea Health Show, your medical lifestyle podcast, brought to you by the Tea Clinic. Good morning, I'm Dr. Mark. This is the Tea Health Show. As always, Sister Elise is with me, and today we have a new producer, Ryan. Morning, Ryan. Morning, morning, morning. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How Can't you doing, complain. And then I've invited a long-standing patient and friend of mine into the studio. Ilza, Ilza, morning. How are you? Morning, Mark. I'm good, so, um, you know what? Um, when we decided what we're doing for the show, we said, actually, every time that someone comes into my office who's an aesthetic virgin, well, that sounds nice, <laughs> a, a virgin when it comes to aesthetic treatments, it takes me a long time to explain to them the differences between treatment, uh, specifically neurotoxins and fillers and biostimulators and threads and then peels and needling and blah, blah, blah. So, Ilse, you've, you've had aesthetic treatments. Um, you've been around people who have had aesthetic treatments for a long time. What are the questions that comes into your mind when you walk into an aesthetic practice? What are the things that you want to know as the person in the street? Today's patient, I think patients do a lot of research before they, they go to, or, uh, you know, before they pick their aesthetic um, practitioner. Um, but in saying that, they still need that confirmation. Um, you know, they have their questions in their mind, but they need the, the, the practitioner to engage with them on their concerns and the questions that they will have. And I think that the typical first question would be is, um, I'm here, I would like to have, let's say, for instance, my frown, frown line treated, but what else can I do? Um, and I think that what else can I do is a loaded question because they know exactly kind of what they're after, but they they want your input. Um, so, yeah, I, I think a, a very first question is, is just to explain the difference between toxins and fillers. Um, I think a lot of people out there still don't understand the difference between the two. Okay, Ryan, yes. do you know what's the difference between a neurotoxin and a filler? I'm not going to lie to you. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's make it easy. When, when we in the aesthetic field talk about a toxin or a neuromodulator, we're talking about Botox. Uh, do, you, do you have an idea now what we're talking about? I have, I have somewhat an idea. Okay. Yeah. So I just need to classify that Botox is a registered trade name for botulinum toxin, like um, Panado is a trade name for paracetamol. Right. Okay. So, so it's a brand. It's a brand. Okay. Now, in South Africa at the moment, we have two leading brands and a new one that just came onto the market. So you have the old historic one, Botox, and when I say historic, it's been on the South African market for the longest period of time. Um, Disport. And then we have a new one that's just come onto the market, Zuman. 
But they, uh, all three of them have been on the market internationally for quite some time. Now, what does a neuromodulator do? Exactly what it, uh, what it says in the name, it changes nerve impulses or nerve conduction. So Botox is used for dynamic lines. Right. And the dynamic line is a line that forms with movement. And here we specifically look at the lines on the forehead, the lines between the eyebrows, those angry frown, and the lines around the eye area, the crow's feet. So in the face, that is what you treat with Botox if you stay on label. In other words, if you stick to what it's registered for. Most practitioners would do a little bit other stuff with that as well. Okay. And Botox decreases muscle action. So if the muscle can't contract, it doesn't move the skin. And we need to understand this. The muscles in the skin is to move the skin. It's not to move joints and stuff like that. It's to move the skin. So does that make, do we now understand mm. what Botox is? Yes. Okay. Filler, on the other hand, tissue filler. Think of it as polyfiller for your face. If you have a deep crack um, or if a wall is a little bit skew or dented, what do we do? We put polyfiller in. And for those deep lines and for loss of structure and volume, that's where we use a tissue filler. Right. Yields, does that, would that answer most people's questions? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Because we're finding that even when I saw you the first time, I was aware because, you know, I have friends that, um, that's been doing aesthetic treatments for a long time. So I kind of knew the difference, but there are a lot of patients that don't. Um, so as a patient, then um, my question to you would be um, the big buzzword out there at the moment is collagen and, and you know, just to, to get the, the skin laxity and structure going. So what, what, what treatments can I can I ask for or what do you offer to, to improve that? Because when I stand in front of the mirror in the mornings, I tend to now with my age start pulling in the side of my face, that typical, what would I look like if the, I have a facelift? The mirror facelift. <laughs> yes. So what, what can I ask for if that is something that I'm looking for that the, my and practitioner… is there an option? Is there an option, yeah. Yes. I, I think what you are describing are the typical… Uh, signs of aging. This morning when I was on Gareth's show, he asked about hyaluronic acid um, because every new product has hyaluron mm. or yeah. hyaluronic acid in. So if we look at the components of the skin, the major component of the skin is collagen. And as you said, the buzzword now is collagen where everyone is either taking a collagen supplement mm. or something like that. Now, collagen in the skin gives the skin structure. Um, 
these different types of collagen. The collagen that we most want in the skin is type 1 collagen. Think of its baby collagen. So it's a soft three-dimensional structure. And then we have type 2, which is more rope-like, type 3, type 4, and I think there's actually seven types of collagen. It might sure. actually be more. But the one that we are after for healthy, plump skin is type 1 collagen. Our collagen starts decreasing from your 20s by about a percent per year. So if you get to mine, Sister Elisa's age, Ryan, you're a baby. <laughs> um, I'm not going to give Ilza's age away because Please no don't. one will believe us. Mm -hmm. um, I have a good doctor. <laughs> we, we, we've lost a lot of collagen. So the specific cells in the body that make collagen, they're called fibroblasts. But they become lazy, just like my household. Um, and when I'm at home, I become lazy. So, you know, I'm not as productive. And when you're not productive, you know what, you also start losing contact with your friends. So you start losing contact with the other fibroblasts. So collagen production not only slows down, but the fibroblast starts becoming lazy. And the sign of collagen loss is that um, which we all will face. It's laxity in the skin. So take your, take your skin on your cheek and pinch it and pull it away from your face. Okay, Ryan's still got collagen. Oh, um, Ryan, you're still good to go. Look at this. So Why? if you can pull the skin away, I don't know if you guys have ever seen – one of the um, X-Men movies. You've yes. seen X-Men movies? Yeah. But I think the first one where um, um, Magneto <laughs> takes the guy into the tower and he turns into the aqua fisherman yeah. and he can pull his skin like that. Yes. Okay, so if you can pull your skin away from the tissue, that's the laxity. Now – the other sign is sagging in the skin, and this is what Ilza has referred to. So if you put your thumb on your cheekbone and you pull up and you can see movement of the skin, or if you put it on your temple and you lift up and you can see, oh, my God, my whole face is moving. You have issues. That's, <laughs> that is sagging of the skin. Wow. Okay. You need to see Dr. Mark. So, <laughs> oh, no. and ask anyone who is getting older, this is the stuff that we hate because the moment that you drop your face, you look like a bulldog. <laughs> Everything just starts hanging. Um, I, I had my first sign of that. I was in Malawi. Oh, God, this is a horrible story to tell. I was in Malawi. I was in the bathroom and there was a big mirror next to me. And, you know, I don't know whether I was straining or whatever, but I looked in the mirror and I saw my father. <laughs> and I just realized, oh, no, you know what, <laughs> I, I, I need to do something about the quality of my skin. And along came the biostimulators. So this is a new product. It's made from polyalactic acid. And in South Africa... The only original one is called Sculptra. And Sculptra 
gives us collagen formation over time. It's my favorite treatment to do. Why? Because it's bloody effective. It gives good results for every single patient in every age range. No one is too old to, to form collagen. It's a safe procedure and it's fairly easy to do. It's not something that you can get wrong. So um, Sculptra came along and now, you know what, you're able to address that. You know what, I'm still okay. I don't want to look different, but you know what, I just want to prevent the aging or I just want to have a little bit of a tighter, liftier kind of appearance. So those are your biostimulators. So, and we need to differentiate them from fillers because they are not fillers. Now, there are hybrid biostimulator filler combinations, just like you have an electric petrol Please car. Go back. Why did you say we need to differentiate between fillers and biostimulators? Because Isn't a it quite filler, the same? Say again? It's not the same, is it? No, it's not the same. Why is it not the same? Because it's, number one, different ingredients and they're used for completely different reasons. A filler gives structure. And immediate so results. So it's polyfiller. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And immediate results. Immediate mm. results. Mm. Whereas a biostimulator acts on what caused the aging. Okay. Oh. So, so that's actually it where gives you need to start. collagen. Mm-hmm. So if you want to start with anything early, start with a biostimulator. Okay. Mm. Don't start with your biostimulator in your 50s because to get the skin back to the quality of a 30-year-old um, is difficult. You can, but it takes repeated treatments. There's a treatment protocol that you follow. And the treatment protocol um, by rule of thumb is for each decade of age, you need to do an extra treatment with a biostimulator. Okay. Okay. So your fillers, instant result. What I do is what I see right there and then. Your biostimulator takes time to produce collagen. So for me, the place where you start in your 30s is start with your biostimulator. Mm. So you keep the structure of the skin the same. So you don't create sagging in the skin. Um, Think of people like Sher, Joan Collins, um, um, Jane Fonda. Madonna? No, that's just <laughs> wrong. Um, that's nightmarish. So think about them. In their 80s, they still look like they did in their 60s for two perfect reasons. Number one, they didn't change the volume of their faces. Mm. As we grow older, our skull changes shape. It becomes less round. Your mandible, which is the bottom part of your jaw, starts shrinking. 
So it loses height. So if you take the area from your ear down to the angle of your jaw, that height becomes less. The um, front of the mandible becomes less. So just think about someone who's taken their teeth out. Mm-hmm as well as it becomes shorter, so it moves backwards. The zygoma, which is your cheekbone, becomes flatter. And the area under the eye starts, instead of being facing forward, it starts recessing as well. So now you create space under the eye. And one of the big things that change is the shape of your eye socket. So in a young person, an eye socket is round. In an older person, it becomes oval, even square. So it creates space where there wasn't space. The eye doesn't change. So you now have sagging. And the tissue doesn't get supported anymore Mm. because the fat pads starts disintegrating. One of my dear colleagues, Dr. Vivian Jandera, who's a plastic and reconstructive surgeon, said one day, it's not the muscles in the face that lengthen and that creates a sag. It's that the points where the muscles plant in, their anchor points, starts moving closer to one another. And now, you know, it, it's like taking a rope that's between two poles and moving the poles together, the rope is going to start sagging. So the muscles changes um, tension, basically, and that creates sagging in the skin. So now if you get filler in within that period of time, surely the sagging gets worse because it's heavier, if that makes sense. Mm. I hear what you say, but actually no. Okay. So if you use the filler correctly, you will support the tissue on the bone. So again, think of a tent. Okay. If you move the tent poles closer together, the tent's going to sag a little bit. Sure. So if you go under the tent and you put support – the tent's tighter again. So think about it that way. Um, When it comes to using filler, what we need to do, and I would like you guys to go and take a look at at the Dr. Mark Aesthetic website. You will see some of the befores and afters there. It's about understanding the dynamics of the face. Um. Dynamics of the face, the face is there to create, or the muscles in the face is there to create movement. A one millimeter change, which is negligible, in an eyebrow tells a completely different story. A half a millimeter, two millimeter change in your lip curl, change it from a sneer to a smile. And people read that. 
So you need dynamic movement in the face. And when you understand the dynamics and how you're going to affect the dynamics through the treatment as a practitioner that you do on the patient, you are able to change not only the facial expression, but the message that the face conveys. Right. Um, Ilza said there's a couple of questions that her patients uh, or that patients ask when they come in. Now, I ask my patients a lot of questions before I start. And the first thing that I tell them is, what does your face tell you when you stand and look in the mirror? Because each of us has an emotional response when we look at someone. So think about a complete stranger that's sitting at a bar. That face is telling you a story. The patient, uh, that person has a neutral expression on their face, and yet it's telling you a story. It tells you whether they are approachable or not, whether they are happy, whether they are grumpy, and you react accordingly. <laughs> right. So emotional beauty is first and foremost key and understanding emotional beauty, let me rephrase, is first and foremost the key to planning a good aesthetic treatment. Now, Mark, that was one of the things that I really appreciated when I saw you the first time, um, is that you took the time to, to take me through what I need to look at when I look in the mirror. Um, you taught me to not only look at the problems, but to also look at, you know, what I have, you know, structurally, all the good points. Um, and that to me was something that I really appreciated. Um, I mentioned that the time you took um, in the consultation, that to me was was really great. And I actually walked out of that first consultation knowing exactly, you know, what the first step and what my aesthetic journey would be like with, with you and and so forth. So um, don't you want to maybe take take us through that first consultation? Um, you touched on it now with, you know, looking um, in the mirror and firstly looking at what the face is telling you. Um, but, yeah, maybe talk us through that. I, I'm, I'm going to do that, but, you know, it's just Elise's way too quiet. You know, she's on Google I again. No, 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 no. <laughs> I have a question, and I think people out there need this answer. What qualifications do you need to do this treatments? Because I'm thinking you need to be a medical doctor. No, absolutely. The, so uh, can a stomatologist do certain procedures no. like this? Are they not because they're not qualified because they have don't have the educational um, background of it or where does you where do you draw the line because I know some people do that's do a these good treatments. point Sister Elise because I I I've known Mark for a long time so it was just easy for me to to go to Mark but um, how how do a patient find the right aesthetic Practitioner for them. I mean, you can Google things, but what do they need to look for to find to find someone that's really good? Number one, 
to be an aesthetic practitioner in South Africa, to put anyone into someone's face, you need to be a medical doctor. You can't be a nurse. You can't be a somatologist. You need to be a qualified medical practitioner with an MBCHB degree on your wall, not one that you fake like some people have done. What was that guy's name? Matthew Lani. Okay. Has he been put, been put in jail yet? No. No. No, because okay. uh, lying is not a crime, apparently. <laughs> lying is yeah. not a crime. Lying is not a crime. But sure. um, impersonating? Well, according to the courts, it said lying. He was just a, he, it was a made up persona. It was all a lie. He didn't. So you should be in an institution. I think so. Okay. Okay. So number one, you have to be a qualified medical practitioner. Number two, um, you should actually have a couple of, um, I don't want to call it degrees or diplomas, but you know what? It's not easy work to do. Just, just get it wrong once and you, you understand how things can go wrong. Um, so for a patient, ask, ask the doctor, how long have you been doing this? This is the best question that you can ask them. What was your biggest mistake? Oof. That's the question that you ask. What was the biggest blunder or the biggest complication that you've had? And if your doctor can answer you and say, oh my God, you know what? I, I've injected Botox for one day for a patient and four days later they came um, with a, a droopy eyelid. You know that you're at the right place because I guarantee you every single experienced doctor have had a couple of those. Um, if someone said, oh, you know what? I've never had a problem. Yep. You're in the wrong place. I, I, I tell you that. All of us make mistakes. And with filler, the mistakes that you can make or the complications that you have get exponentially larger. And it's a numbers game. The more you do, the more likely you are to have a serious complication. Gosh, and as a patient, I would want to go to someone that can manage a complication or that fix something that can part. go wrong because I need to feel thing. safe because, yes, I understand that things can go wrong, but you know, I need to be with the right doctor that can manage that so with me. I have had to manage a lot of complications from uh, patients who were referred by young, inexperienced doctors for the simple reason they hadn't had to deal with them, so they didn't know how to. What can go wrong? Yeah, I was just going to say, it's not like getting a haircut where you're too scared to talk yeah. up. This is a... Look, I know that you can reverse thing. filler, but what else can go wrong with all the other... So let's, let's talk about Botox. So we know the principle about Botox. It acts on muscles, so it changes how a muscle moves. So if you put it in a wrong muscle, if you put toxin in the wrong muscle, or if you put too much of it in a muscle and you change the action of the muscle too, too much, the most, I want to call unsightly and most devastating one for the patient is where you cause a 
brow ptosis or eyelid ptosis. Brow ptosis is when the eyebrow sags. Like in that Adam Sandler movie. Yes. Uh, uh, eyelid ptosis is horrible. And that's when the eyelid droops. So now you have a lazy eyelid. Now, the wonderful thing about Botox is that nothing that we do with Botox is permanent. That's what makes it basically a wounded drug. Um, you're going to create a problem that, you know, it's self-rectifying over time. You will have to manage that patient still because there's not a lot that you can do to reverse the action of a Botox. Okay. So being careful, especially when it comes to treating a forehead where things can go south, literally south, quite quickly if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to be stuck with an unhappy patient for a while. And it's really not something that you can hide. Filler on the other side is more dangerous, far more dangerous. Um, the face is incredibly vascular. I don't know which of you have ever seen those um, Body Works um, exhibitions. Do you know what the Body Work exhibitions yes. are? Okay, so it's that dissections that they've done. Mm -hmm. So you will have this complete body with no skin and you can see every single muscle. Or um, some of them is just the vasculature, just the, the vessels. Now, the vessels in the face looks like sieve. You have thousands and thousands of little vessels, um, and you have a couple of big ones. Now, all these vessels in the face communicate with one another and somehow. So they form this network with two big lateral um, arteries that come from the neck and then they give off branches and they communicate in the middle so it creates a circular kind of circulation and if you put filler which is basically polyfiller remember we said it's polyfiller okay um, in gel form if you inject into one of these vessels you cause a blockage and that blockage can lead to necrosis of the skin if it's a big blockage. And even more dangerous is if you get it into one of the bigger arteries, like the uh, nasolabial artery, and we call it the facial artery, or if you get it in one of the orbital arteries, the uh, supraorbital or the trochlear artery, or the temple artery, that communicates with the back of the eye. So um, you can cause a blockage of blood flow to the eye, which can lead to blindness. In South Africa, there hasn't been a case of blindness. I can tell you that the South African aesthetic practitioners are some of the best in the world, by far. Um, they are incredibly experienced and incredibly well-trained. But it can happen, and you should know about this. You can, and there was um, some, some cases 
where they've injected the lip and um, they put a little bit of filler in the labial artery and that spread and it got into the retinal artery and a patient went blind from an injection in the lip. So, um, yeah, it, it can happen. And this is, Ills, I, I think what you want us to allude to, you know, you need an experienced practitioner who mm. can recognize the signs as they're injecting and manage it immediately. Mm. So, you know, it, it's, it's something that can be managed if it's done timelessly. Mm. So communication, not only during the procedure, but after the procedure mm. with your patient mm. is very, very important. Okay. Answer my question. Um, something that must be so difficult to manage, Mark, is, is the expectation of the patient. Yes. Huh? Yes, that's difficult. Um, I, I mean, you know me, I'm all about natural results. Uh, less is more to me. Um, but how do you man manage patients that walk through your door with these weird expectations of what they see on social media? I think what you've just said is the biggest problem that we have is the Kardashian kind of mentality. Um, the lips, the cheeks, the nose, you know, it, you, you have a canvas that you work on. So it's not a blank canvas. And that we need to understand. So you can't erase everything that's there. You have to work with what you are given. And here facial assessment becomes paramount mm. in giving the patient a good outcome. So mm. your previous question and this one actually um, speak to one another through and through, mm. when a patient comes into my practice, the first thing that I ask them is, number one, okay, why are you here? What do you want done? M the worst answer that they can give me is, um, okay, you know what, I just thought I'll have a little bit of Botox around my lip, but what do you think? For me, that's the worst, because number one, they're actually talking about filler, so they don't fully understand the aesthetic journey. Mm. And number two, what I think and what they perceive and what they want mm. is 90% of the time completely different. Mm. So, yes, it's the management of the expectations. And what I do with my patients is I, I have two-meter mirror and I put them in front of a mirror and I start with, okay, what does your face tell you when you look in the mirror? Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you angry? Do you look tired? And once they've answered that, I say to them, okay, you're a stranger in a bar. I see you for the first time. This is what your face is telling me. And usually that lands me in a little bit of hot water. There's often someone that looks a little bit pissed off. 
Um, I, I did it in a training for some doctors. Um, and I, I, I took uh, young doctors and I took them through my um, patient evaluation and assessment. And I asked one of the doctors to sit on the bed. She's a formidable girl, lovely girl, lovely. And I asked everyone, so what does Nisha's face tell you? I know she looks a little bit tired. And I l- listened to all of them and I said, well, to me, she looks pissed off. And she looked at me and it's like, <laughs> and I, I'm going to say, yes, if she sits like that in a restaurant, I'm not going to approach her. It can go one of two ways. She's either going to tell me to take a hike She's not even going to answer me when I say to her, can I buy you a drink? Mm. That's, that's what her face tells me. So what do we want to do? We want to make her more approachable. So we want to soften the features. Mm. Okay. Is that, is that half the reason why these people come is because they, they want to be more approachable to others? Don't you think everyone wants to be more approachable? I think some people like to be in their own world, but there's, there are the, the few that... I think they identify a need. They, they, they need to improve on something, but they can't quite put they their finger put it, on right. it. So they need someone like Mark to maybe just guide them through what it is that they really need and what, what is it that they're after. Um, I, 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 I think half of the patients, I'm, I didn't know when I saw you what it is that I needed. I just arrived and said, Mark, what don't you can you Mark? So I... I I think it's when you tell them what they need, before you do that, you should explain to them why it is, why they are seeing what they are seeing. Mm. Why are they seeing eye bags or shadows under the eye? Why are you starting to notice the nasolabial line. So nasolabial line is the line that runs from the nose to the corner of the mouth. Why are you starting to see marionette lines? So those are the ones that run down from the corner of the mouth to the chin. Why are you seeing concertina lines? So in your older women, you know what, when they smile, the skin creases. It, it, it looks like you've taken a duvet and you push the two edges together. It folds, so those skin folds, they're seeing. And that is the most important Mm. part for me during my um, facial assessment and consultation with the patient. And and that's also why I said that to me that was was quite special because I for the first time understood what's happening in my face and I also realized what can be done to fix it and what can't be done. It's just, you know, I'm just, I'm aging. I can't do anything about it. And that just that small nuances made me realize or managed the expectations I had. Like, okay, I won't be able to do something about this, but let's start here and let's start slow. And and that made me feel very comfortable. Mm. Um, just, I mean, that education part of this is why my face um, looks the way it looks at the mo- looks like at the moment, and what. What yeah. I can expect it to look like in the next 10 years and what I can and yeah. can't do about it. I, I think, Sissy Elise, you've been uh, 
you've been working in medicine um, for what? 40 odd years. 43 years. And <laughs> for the past three years, you've been working at, at our practice and you've been suddenly exposed to aesthetic treatments. I, I have to correct you. I've worked with a plastic and reconstructive surgeon for many, many years. But in those days, aesthetic treatments was Botox. That's it. Um, and most of those changes were done with surgery and terrible skin resurfacing treatments. Oh, those old under, deep phenol yes, peels. under anesthetic and stuff yeah. like that. We, it literally looks like you've been thrown with acid. You were thrown with acid. Yeah, exactly. So that is the change that I've seen throughout the years in the beauty industry. Can I do it in inverted commas? Um, yeah, but the last three years I've learned a lot as well. Um, I do think I want to go back to Ryan's question mm -hmm. about a person that's happy for being not approachable. Yes. I think that's a choice. Yeah. So you won't see that person going to an aesthetic practitioner and say, change my face. What we are seeing is a change in that. Um, I always said there were three reasons women did Botox. I still stand by them. Number one was your executive um, or management girl that had a little bit of disposable income, that was working in an environment where she has to look good and approachable. Um, so they were the first to do Botox. And then the second group were the rich housewives mm. who knew that they had to stay looking young and gorgeous and wrinkle-free because hubby has four um, put and tight young blonde secretaries running around him the whole time. So she had to keep up. And then the other group were the group that, you know what, I'm going to stay young forever. Mm. So they, they were shows. Um, it's changed. I think more and more people um, through social media, and this is the only good thing that I had to say about social media, became aware that I can look better and don't have to accept um, the changes that comes with aging. Mm. Um, that saying that I will grow old gracefully, being graceful when you're old is a state of mind and I would say it's a behavior. You're graceful in your behavior, not in your look. Mm. Um, and for me, it's yes, I will grow old gracefully, but I don't have to look older in doing so, I don't need to look 12 years old when I'm 40. 
But you know what? I also don't need to look 50 mm-hmm. when I'm still 40. You want to look healthy and fresh right. for your age, not different. Mm. But, sorry, I wasn't, may I ask a stupid question? Does, does it hurt? No. Yeah. Not at all. Do you no. do you do you get like an injection where you numb wherever you're getting it and then you kind of inject it in or is it something you can Ryan, kind of, I promise you, I'm I have never in my practice had a patient that complained this is painful. Never. And I don't use numbing cream. We have a patient. She's now staying in Namibia. She has the expectation that it's going to be painful. Mm. And then just to to make her calm, we do put numbing cream on her for five minutes. But you know what? Numbing cream takes a half an hour to work. But Um. that sets her at Mm. ease. Right. The... You use a tiny little needle. Botox doesn't hurt. It's the injection technique that hurts. I've injected patients where they say to me, but you haven't injected here. And then I give them the mirror and say, can you see that little spot of blood? Oh, but I didn't feel that. So it really isn't so. But you know what? Also, maybe I, c- I cannot tell you how many injections I give on a daily basis. If only I had a cent for everyone that I've given, I could retire. <laughs> um, but no, it's not so. When something goes wrong, you will feel pain. Right. During the procedure, it's, it's usually very, very comfortable, and it's, it's not painful. The only area that I do use numbing is when I do a lip treatment. That's just uncomfortably yeah, I don't want to call it painful. It's just, yeah, it's so, and, actually, no, it's sore. And, and does, it go, sore. does it go both ways for filler and for Botox that it's not sore? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And your biostimulators, um, you know what, biostimulators, um, we mix in a little bit of um, local anesthetic, lidocaine. So it's not the product that's so it's actually the lidocaine that burns. I don't right. know. Um, you know, anyone that's ever had sutures um, where they had to numb it, mm-hmm. that instant burn <laughs> um, for, for dentist, yeah. um, mm. that's what you feel when you put the filler in. And then it goes numb within a second, a half a second. It's actually um, uh, lidocaine takes effects within milliseconds. So And because you, you don't and because you're filling something, it's not that you're adding kind of stuff in your skin that it's pushing out and needs to make space for it. So I, the, I don't know if that makes sense. You are right. Um especially when it comes to treating a chin. So the procedure is not painful. Afterwards you're gonna have a stretchy mm. kind of discomfort. Um Especially if you treat the area between the bottom lip and the chin. Because it's, it's quite tight. It's tight. Yeah. So you, you create a mechanical stretch there. Okay. Okay. What else? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> 
where do I start? You know, I, I can't, I'm trying to think back on the, the, the first consultation I had with you and all I can think about was and when at I what age? in there. Yeah. At what age do you think a patient should start and with what? So you start as a child with skincare, mm. sunscreen. And mm. this is your parents' responsibility. Teach your children from a very young age to use sunscreen and to avoid the sun at certain times. So after 10 o'clock in the morning to about 3 o'clock, you know what, you shouldn't be in direct sunlight. And definitely not if you don't have a good sunscreen. There's lots of sunscreens. Not all of them are good. But if you are in, in the sunlight during that time, because that's quite a prime time for kids Swimming. to be out. So yes. like what's a recommended amount of time in direct sunlight? Half an hour max. An hour. So is it, is it doable? No, but if you look at Australia, who has one of the highest incidence of skin cancer caused by the sun, melanoma, basal cell carcinomas, et cetera, et cetera. If you look at the schooling system, every single child has a wide-brimmed hat and they have sunscreen, which they are applying before every break period. Before they get out in the sun, that's where they start. So um, your aesthetic journey starts as a child. When we move into your 20s, I think this is where girls start looking at maybe a little bit of lip plumping. And this is, I think, where things start going wrong. Because most women in the, at the age of 20 still have beautifully shaped and full lips. Now, if, think about it as a balloon that you inflate and deflate and inflate and deinflate. Eventually, that balloon is going to look crap. So with your lips, exactly the same. So um, when you stretch the tissue, when you break the little connective tissue bands between the septae or the septae between the different areas of the lip or the vermilion border, it becomes very difficult to treat that lip as you get older. So just look at social media and these uh, women that go onto these dating shows and stuff like that, all you see is this lip. So in 10 years' time, that's going to be a curtain um, or even a bigger lip. Um, why? Because it's going to look bad if it goes back to its natural shape. We, we can sometimes augment or refine a chin in, in someone that's young or create a little bit of a stronger um, jawline or more defined jawline. Um, maybe a little bit of structure in the cheekbone area. Um, a dangerous but effective treatment is maybe using it 
to treat a slight nose deformity. So those are in your, in your younger years. We start with neurotoxins or Botox, maybe mid-20s, early 30s. Um, a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, and, you know, but then you, you might get away with doing it maybe once a year, maybe twice a year max. And as we get older, it will become a little bit more frequent, maybe four times a year. But uh, the more you do the toxin, the, the less you have to do it. So I, I like starting with a biostimulator in my 30s. Um, for my patients, I want to keep the quality of the skin as good as it can be. Um, adding to that a good collagen supplement, not the stuff that you buy online, not all of them gets absor- get absorbed properly. And then we move over to... Um, tissue fillers, I would say in about your late 30s to the 40s, and you can continue with it. But it's also not permanent, hey? No. And please don't ever use a permanent tissue filler. Um, you know, because if it's wrong, the only way to, to treat it is to literally go and cut it Surgery. out. Mm-hmm. And you know what, you're going to be sorry for the rest of your life that you've ever had someone put that in. Um, So where do you start is take a look at your emotional beauty. What is your face telling you? And what is your friends telling you about your facial expression? Is it in tune with yours? Um, You know what, when things start hanging, the eyebrows, you know, when the eyes are starting to look a little bit sad, when the corners of the mouth are starting to look a little bit sad, but on the inside you feel happy, you know, but that's when you approach someone that actually can explain to you why you are seeing these things and what can be done about them. And then they will take you on a journey. Okay, because we have this and that's going to happen this is the product that we need to use. That's where we are going to place it. And that's going to be the result. And more important, this is what your maintenance should be. Is, is it as ex, uh, expensive as I'm thinking in my head? Or is it quite, um, is it okay to maintain? Like, you, like is, it, is it an expensive process? Depends on where, when you start. Um, I think... The longer you wait before you start, the more there is to correct. And your initial outlay can be quite pricey. But if you look after your skin with a good skincare routine and sun savviness, it's it's not that expensive. Look, we have different types of products that we can use. And the difference between cost in products is technology. It's not expensive to make a hyaluronic acid filler. Actually, it's quite cheap to make a good and a safe hyaluronic acid filler. That takes a lot of research. The product is expensive. And because doctors need to train, you know what, um, it becomes more expensive, I think, when you go to a more advanced and experienced practitioner. Um, 
it's very interesting to see the different price ranges in different areas of, for instance, just Johannesburg. The northern suburbs of Johannesburg, <coughs> where I practice, has the concentration of the most experienced um, and longest practicing uh, practitioners in the country. And you know what? As a beginner or someone who only have four or five years of experience, you, you cannot expect that you're going to get the same kind of price. Why? Because of the experience and the quality of the result afterwards. So it varies a lot between northern suburbs, southern suburbs, uh, the east and the west, and definitely Pretoria. Um, but you know what? Here I would, I would like to leave you with a last thought of if you think about buying a car, you take a look how much you can afford and you buy the best car for the money that you have available. When it comes to aesthetic treatments, if you can't afford the car, save up until you can mm. because otherwise you're going to get something that can be quite dodgy and that in the end is going to cost you far much more to try and fix through someone that's more experienced. Right. Okay. Awesome. So – that brings us to the end of the show. My God, it was a monologue. Um, when it comes to aesthetic treatments, a couple of things to remember. There's a difference between Botox, filler, biostimulators. Those are cornerstone treatments. Look after your skin. Look after the collagen in your skin. And when you look for a practitioner, go and find someone who's experienced who's done training beyond just medicine, um, who attends workshops and conferences, and that can tell you, oh, my God, this was my biggest mistake, but that's how we fixed it. That's important, I think. Okay, so that brings us to the end of the show. Next week, Sister Elise, <laughs> next week's program was – your topic, so you can explain what it was. I don't have a topic, a title, but we will have a personal trainer and the nutritionist, functional So nutritionist we're talking trainer. about weight loss and exercise. The fact that you can't exercise yourself thin, but how exercise affects well-being and how you need to eat well in order to exercise yes. well. It's okay. a long title, but yes. <laughs> Everything about me is long except my hair. So, okay. Um, until next week, we wish you all the best in health. That was the Tea Health Show, empowering you with knowledge. Download all previous episodes on your favorite podcast platform. The Tea Health Show is brought to you by Tea Clinic.